We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back here with another episode of the Golden Bearcast. Proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are getting together here after a nice Monday night football game in which the Niners got a win. So I'm going to just send out that positive energy into the multiverse. Alongside me, as always, my co host, Rob. What's happening? Doesn't that only matter if you're a Niners fan? Like, I'm a Chargers fan, and it's not been a great NFL season for me at all. I'm just going to take a safe bet and say that the majority of Cal fans are probably also Niner fans. Niners fans? You think? I'd actually if want that. you were to that... pick one team, yeah, I'd say you probably would skew more Niners than... That's my, that's my, that's my guess. I I would also suspect that you could probably find a large group of LA fans too. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, so way I, too many Dodgers hats. Always way too many Dodgers hats. I mean, it's just a lot of the student or a lot of the like student body and alumni are like from Southern California. So that the numbers, I, I that's a very good like uh, questionnaire thing I would want to do. Just to like see what percentage of Cal fans like are actually Bay Area fans versus LA fans. But we digress. We digress. We want it's because we want to talk about other things. We just no, wanna, Rob. We don't want to talk about this. We're gonna talk about this. No, we're gonna not. dive in. I'm ready to talk All about right. this football game. I'm ready to talk about the implications of the program as a whole, and I am ready first and foremost to answer questions from. Twitter, okay. boom. Especially because I'm not on there, so I don't see any of the reaction. Yes, so this is my first time. This is like opening up a box of presents Christmas morning that are all really angry. <laughs> it's like it's like a new holiday. It's like someone gave you that PlayStation Five box, and inside the box was just a bunch of rocks, just a bunch of coal. Yeah, just a but, bunch of coal. But perfectly, that you but perfectly weighted out that to the. To the measurements of a PS5. You seen the that episode of The Office where Toby's leaving and Michael's goodbye present is a rock 
It says yep. suck on this. <laughs> That's that's what the that's what the coal has wrapped around it is just a little a little sticky note that says suck on this. Yeah, and then that's, and then it slaps you in the face and then walks out of your house. Yes. <laughs> that's that's exactly it goes what that to is. another house. Yeah, it goes to another house. Uh, all, right. all right. Well let's do let's do the rundown. Okay. Let me take let us me... through, Rob. Take us through. All right. So Cal's three and one heading up to Washington. That's also three and one. Um, and the Bears lose this game 28 to 9. Score wise, it was actually a pretty close game. It was 7 3 going into halftime. And then Washington State scored set another touchdown in the third. So it was 14 uh, 3. Then the Bears scored their six and then tried to go for two, which was the right move at the time. I don't have any issues with that. Andy, you can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. The play falters, uh, so they only get to nine, and then Washington State scores two more times in the fourth quarter to make it twenty-eight-nine. Um, ultimately, I like all in all, is a good day for football. Um, it, was, it didn't look like the Palouse like had any crazy, you know, Washington State energy, um, but. We'll go through some of the stats. Uh, Jack Plummer, 23 of 33, no interceptions, 273 yards, no touchdowns along a 49, sacked four times. Jaden Ott, 16 carries, 71 yards gained, two yards lost, net of 69, and a touchdown, an average of 4.3 yards per carry. In terms of receiving for the Bears, Jaden Ott led the team with seven for 41 yards. Jeremiah Hunter was six for 109 yards. That is Jeremiah Hunter's first 100-yard uh, game at Cal or set a career high in yard in yards today uh, on Saturday uh, for Washington State it was Cam Ward 27 to 40 with two interceptions three touchdowns two and uh, 343 yards and one sack they were led by Renard Bell who had eight catches for 115 yards and one touchdown I believe eight I believe Renard Bell is the when I was talking to uh, Jeff from Cook Center, I think he said that Renard Bell was the seventh, the seventh year guy on the team. Yes, uh, correct. So yeah, pretty. I mean, if you were non-invested in this game emotionally, that's a pretty cool thing to have the the seventh year guy put up the most numbers. So he's like twenty four, <laughs> playing against a bunch of <laughs> teens and young. He's 20s. been good. Yeah, he's been good for them. Yeah, I think he's got aspirations to go to the league. Actually, yeah. Uh, in terms of first downs, Cal 13, Washington State 21. Uh, I talked about the passing stats. Average per attempt, uh, Cal was 7.6, Washington State 8.6 per completion. Cal 11.7, Washington State 12.7. In terms of rushing, Cal with a meager 1.3 yards per carry. That's not sack adjusted. And Washington State with 2.9. Um, not a lot of penalties. Uh, the Bears gave up seven penalties, 55 yards. Washington State five for 35 uh, punting, we punted nine times to f- Washington State's five. Shahan averaged 44.3 yards per punt with three of his punts going inside the 20, three of his punts going over 50 yards, and one touchback with two fair catches. Shahan's been absolutely amazing this season. Absolutely amazing. Um, in terms of red zone chances, the Bears one of one, and the Washington State Cougars three of three, and that's probably the biggest uh stat for you on defense the bears led by jackson sermon and colin gamble in terms of tackles jackson sermon seven solo one assisted total of eight colin gamble six solo and two two assisted tackles for another total of eight colin gamble also had two tackles for loss 
Uh, Craig Woodson and Daniel Scott uh, both had six tackles each and had an interception each. And in terms of getting to the quarterback, Iacefa was uh, given a quarterback hurry. Oladejo was given a quarterback hurry. And there was a half sack credited to Car- uh, Xavier Carlton and another half sack accredited to Ethan Saunders. Carlton's had a pretty nice season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He's got no help. Yeah, I also think he's not 100% healthy because he didn't actually start the game. Yeah. Um, that's one of the surprising parts. Uh, if you go back to look at the starters for the team on defense, you had Miles Jernigan and uh, Oladejo start outside, and then inside was Jackson Sermon and Ayasefa. Ayasefa had barely played all season. I think he only played on special teams um, last week against Arizona. Um, Nate Burrell and Ethan Saunders played at defensive end. And uh, I believe that was it. Yeah. And then, of course, the back end was was the normal back end, guys. Except for Lou didn't start. I think he's still a little bit dinged up from the end of the Arizona game. So Irby started, and I thought Irby had had an outstanding game overall, too. So that's pretty much it uh, in terms of the stats, the major ones to go through. Andy, I turn it over to you since I know you have a lot to say about the game. But or one more thing. I think how we should how we should package this is we should talk about the game first, just within the confines of the 60 minutes of play. And then we'll talk about the bigger implications of the loss to the program and so on. Because I know you kind of want to talk about both, but I feel like we're gonna we're going to end up in like some weird conundrum where we don't talk about the game and we just keep talking about the, the bigger implication of, of the loss. Very interesting, my friend. I will, I will entertain this format. The, <laughs> the one thing is I want to get to the questions. So I will give a short little bit on the game overall because I do have some notes here. Yeah, and I'll interject with the questions from from listeners and takes from the listeners as they apply to said situation and what we're talking about. Since there's not actually that many, so. Okay. All right. um, Look. The the obvious thing is... (laughs) You don't want to go and score nine points. <laughs> that usually doesn't win you games. That's it's not usually a winning strategy unless you go to the University of Iowa. Somehow it works really well there. But for the most part, scoring nine points is pretty bad. Having four red zone trips for an entire game, also pretty bad. So I think we all can understand what happened in this game. You have the first half where you have in you – first of all, Washington State is a good football team. And I think that it's important to preface the entire conversation around who Washington State is today because I realize that that could be used against me. So Washington State today already has a couple of really solid wins. There's a reason why their head coach is immediately being considered to replace – the coach that he beat, Paul Christ, who was just fired at Wisconsin, and Scott Frost. So this is a team that is looked at as having a strong identity, you know, on the upswing. And I think that's important because 
by and large, I feel like the reactions to this game are like, we just lost, like, oh my god, we just lost Washington State. And it's like, there, I, I realize that I called this game a win from the beginning of the season, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, you kind of just got to tip your cap. Like, they're a good football team. They played a good game. Good defensive scheme. Um, really talented quarterback. Like, great kind of receivers. Like, but, oh, the only thing I would say is, like, their run game is, was totally bottled up. But, like, everything else was, like, they played a good football game. And, like, 7-3 going into half is, you know, it's not where you want to be. I sound like Wilcox, dude. <laughs> it's, not, it's not where you want to be at halftime. And you don't have to actually have watched this game to know the result. Because if I told you, like, I could tell you, like, three things. We didn't get pressure on their quarterback. They got a lot of pressure on our quarterback. What, what is immediately coming to your mind? They don't get pressure on our quarterback and we don't get pressure on our quarterback? Just, just... They no no no, we don't get pressure on their quarterback, and they do get pressure on our quarterback. Oh yeah, that's just that's just sacks galore. It's an L, right? Like it's an L. Yeah. We know what this team is gonna be, and this is why you can look at the schedule and you can say, okay, I know where the I know where the wins are. I know where the losses are. And unless something fundamentally changes with how we are operating this offensive unit. It's pretty predictable. And it, to a degree, that's part of the plan. But it's not the right part of the plan. It's not going going to plan. <laughs> <laughs> but predictability is in the DNA of the program. It just happens to be the wrong type of predictability. But that's, I mean, that's, this game isn't hard to sum up. And what actually happened in it, to me, Wilcox said it in the, in the post game. He was spot on. That third and four with like 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, right after we had scored, we pull in 14 to nine. Looks like Cal's going to come back. The offense finally did something. Jaden was actually getting holes in and making really good plays. Plummer, I thought, played a pretty damn good game all game. And, you know, if Maven Anderson doesn't run into his own guy, which is probably 14 10 <laughs> on a well designed two point play, we. They run that bump, that tunnel screen, bubble screen, whatever the hell you want to call it, to the left side. It looked like our defense was in a good position to make the play, and ultimately the Washington State offense, like they got out, they made their blocks, they picked up the first down, they throw to the end zone on the very next play, and uh, you know, Luz got pretty tight coverage on the guy, and he goes up over his head and makes it makes a nice catch, and that kind of it shouldn't put the game at out of reach, right? We want to live in a world where being down 21 to 9 isn't a death sentence. And yet, all the text messages that I get at that point in time was, all right, this game is over. And I said, like, look, there's a lot of time left. There's 10 minutes left. You know, and then, you know, the game was over. <laughs> all right. Um, so, what, like, looking at, I'm just going to go on a little bit longer here. No, I don't looking mind Looking at, at this all. game specifically, and looking at the previous games, what drives me crazy right now is maybe not the first thing that everyone is talking about, but I think it's a larger, maybe a little bit of a higher view towards it, which is this team goes three and out so 
often. So often. It reminds me of like the shitty sunny days where we would either like score a touchdown or go three and out. There was no middle ground. And I've been feeling this for like a while for like, you know, for the season where I've been like the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game was the same way. And same with the UNLV a little bit. But Notre Dame was really frustrating to me because I just, I just think this team would be so much better if we could get like two first downs and then punt. And you're gonna be like, why? That doesn't make any sense. You're still punting the ball. But fundamentally, it's giving your defense a break so that it the entire burden isn't on the back of your defensive players to continuously win you games. And it gets you out of these field position holes that I feel like we've been in this this whole season where our starting field position is super average because we get the ball at our 20 and we go three and out and therefore we punt from our 20. And you're right, Jamison Sheehan has been great, but it doesn't really matter when you're punting from your own freaking 20 yard line. <laughs> like, and it, so it's starting to drive me crazy the fact that we can't, against a better defense than what Arizona is, we don't have a way with all the skill that we have on the offense side of the football to get 15 yards or 22 yards and then punt the ball. And like, that's, that's, I get upset about that. That I, I will admit, I get upset about that. Okay. So pause there, Rob. I'd love to hear your thoughts. The, the the comparison I would love to make here is like what a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of performance we just witnessed in back-to-back weeks. Like the polar opposites, right? Um, Man, I had really, I mean, I should have known, right? Friday night, like we're doing the live stream with like watching the UWCLA game and Sean, Sean is on and, um, not Sean McNally, but uh, our dear friend, but another one of our writer friends, Sean, who's uh, Burke, Burke 97 on the site. And uh, and I asked him what he thought, and he's like, honestly, like I hope that this is the game that they turn the corner. But I've been a Cal fan long enough to know that this is more likely a blip in the positive than it is a turning of the corner game. And I had no rebuttal to that, because if you've been a Cal fan long enough, like that's probably holding true so like oh man just just the pure frustration of this game like terrence was here watching the game and he was like we are so good at moving the ball between the 20s in this game which is how we racked up so many damn yards but we just can't seem to do anything once we get into like their 40 to 35 range and it just it just stops and that leads to like a bigger part of the you know, the big picture questions that, of course, people want us to talk about and want to talk about um, because it's you're going to look at the coaching and you're going to look at the decisions that were made. Um, but I don't blame, like, all of the decisions made in this game. There are some very big questionable ones. Um, like, going for two, I don't have an issue with. Some of the, uh, like, the going forward on fourth down uh, in the fourth, like, don't have an issue with it, like, 
but there were a lot of, as you said, like three and outs, right? I, I'm looking at the drive chart, and it's in the first quarter, two drives, three and out, two three and out drives with a punt. Uh, in the second quarter, one three and out drive with a punt. In the third quarter, one three and out drive with a punt. And in the fourth quarter, another three and out drive with a punt. And so that doesn't do you well, especially when the defense is playing so many minutes. Like those three and out drives didn't last more than two minutes and 15. That's the longest one. Mm -hmm. Everything else was a minute 36, minute 40, minute 23, minute 54, uh, minute 47. Like that's that's how long those drives lasted. And the defense at some point is going to break. They were bending and bending and bending and holding strong the entire game. And in the fourth quarter, it finally broke. Yeah. And there was nothing I, I you can't fault the defense for that. Like for for breaking in the fourth when they gave the offense that many opportunities to be able to give them that cushion to play with. They gave you two interceptions like to work with. And what did we do on both of those? Nothing. And then <laughs> Yeah. I mean yeah. But don't get me. I mean, how many times? How many times are you going to win the, t- the turnover battle and lose a football game? Yeah, and explosive plays too, right? Yeah. Um, and then, but I will. I. I. You have to. You can't be like skewed to one side, right? And you have to look at the defense and go, okay. The defense did have issues, though. Like we gave up three third and longs, like three. Third and like thirteen, third and fifteen, like those types of. Um, long third downs and I think they converted I think it was on three separate drives and I think on two of them resulted in touchdowns so that alone is your opportunity to get off the field but you don't and they end up scoring off of it and it just that's that's on you too right I can't only say it's the offense's fault so there's a lot of issues uh, with this game, and I think, I think you said it perfectly. Like context is what's needed here. Like you and I both thought that the Washington State game, our team wasn't going to be as good as they are right now, but clearly after five weeks, they are. I would argue that they're probably they're be- they're a better team than us right now. Um, and I, of course, I hadn't watched enough Washington State football. I only watched the Oregon game last week, and that was you know, a Kuganit moment. So, like, that context is needed. Like, we say Washington State, Washington State, Washington State is, you know, Washington State. But they're not the, they're not the push, pushover Washington State teams that we've, we've known of late. Like, this is a drastically different team. They're fast. They're really, really um, well coached on defense. And offensively, like, their quarterback just makes plays happen. He threw two interceptions, and he still wasn't afraid to throw deep. Like, mm-hmm. the, he's probably not as accurate as Delora was, but he's definitely more athletic and better with his creativity with his feet just because he's he's just so much more agile. And that always – those types of quarterbacks always give us trouble. That he sits in the pocket, and then it breaks down, and then they get to be creative. That's – that. those are the moments that we tend to, to lose battles in. So, all in all um, – this definitely puts a damper on our season and <laughs> yeah. the win loss like mathematics to get to a bowl game, like totally changes. And that, that's also another like 
debate we need to have in terms of the big picture is like is the perennial getting to a bowl game enough um but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna delve into that yet can we insert a twitter take here yeah um do you want a fun one just to lift our spirits a little bit uh william either way yeah this is a this is a side note but uh william chung on twitter Hey guys, not much about Wazoo. Instead, I'll just say listening to the South Bend episode last week was by far the most entertaining tale I've heard in a while. Twists and turns, ups and downs, gripping. Thank you for surviving to tell the tale. Might re-listen to drown out this week's pain. Ha! Love it. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Absolutely. Yes. Great. Real life. There was a real life story of 10 strangers, <laughs> 50 strangers on a bus. <laughs> Uh, and we'll get we'll get part two uh, electric boozaloo when we go to Atlanta to take that two hour bus ride to Auburn in two years. Um, anyways, uh, Gerardo, who always messages us, says, "I'm good. Go Bears." <laughs> like that's <laughs> no, way. that just love that. That just tells you, right? Um, Sid also messages in. This is an incredibly disappointing performance. I think we can all agree we expected more from our offense. What is your prediction on what happens to Bill and Angus in the postseason? My hot take is Bill gets replaced, but Angus stays. And a little bit of a tie into that is Shavit Karen also messages us saying, I'm not really into Wilcox, but hey, maybe we can still beat Colorado for an upset one of UCLA, Oregon State, SC, Oregon, Washington. Make a bowl and it will be okay. Personally, I'd rather watch an offense for 6th and 6th team than this, but whatever. Ha! Well, Shavit has been out on Wilcox for a couple of years now, which is fine. Kind of went out when the first wave of people, I think it was like 2021 when we first saw people The first big wave off. of everyone leaving was 2021, definitely. 2021. Yeah. He lost a couple good, lost a couple, couple good folks in, in them times. Yeah. The What Sid said is where I want to start. So I think fundamentally... I don't think there's a way back for Musgrave here. Oh, here's also another question that ties into that. Uh, Terry Fun at Terry Fun Six also messages about this, um, and I'll he he asks a bunch of questions. I'll leave out the ones we can ask later, but the one that kind of ties into Sid is uh, any chance Musgrave gets fired before the end of the season? Uh, what if Colorado blows us out? So we'll talk about the Colorado stuff later, but that kind of ties okay. in, right? With Musgrave. Yeah, I mean, like, there is an exercise that we have to do here where we have to pull everybody back from the edge. <laughs> I mean, the Right for California comment section is is really negative this week. And I mean, rightfully so, if they're, guess, just, if they're just going off of, like, if they were already off the Wilcox train and, and Musgrave and whatever, and they already had doubts, like, this is just one of those games that cements the doubts and validates the doubts that they had for sure i i think so i i would challenge that a little bit and say look what are your expectations here i mean who do we want to be and i can i we got to talk about that in a bit but let me go back so musgrave i don't think there's any way out any way out if we or... magically turn around i i just don't think he can we know Musgrave is who we thought he is and was. We have enough. We've had enough. I think we've all seen enough. I, I've seen, and I'll tell you what, 
I've seen enough of other teams' offenses where, you know what? Even if I hadn't seen enough of what Musgrave has brought to the table, my my interest has peaked elsewhere. It's like my ship sailed. It took you too long. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like cool. Uh, wish you'd wish you had made wish you'd shown up a little sooner because you know it's like the I don't I don't know what I'm trying to think. It's like you go to the the lot and you're waiting on a specific car to come in, and they're just like, don't worry, it, it's coming. We promise. It's just delayed on the cargo ship. So, uh, but we'll have it. And then you're like, okay, no problem. You come back like a year later and they're like, it's coming. It's on the cargo ship. It's just still delayed. And you're like, all right, that's unfortunate. Um, I'm going to go start looking at some new electric vehicles. And then it's like, go back and they're like, yeah, yeah, we promise it's still coming. It's just, uh, you know, we ran into some issues at the port. And you're like, yeah, F you guys. I bought a, I bought a Ford Mustang or something. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's like I've moved on, and because like what what am I waiting for? This multi-dimensional offense, and like yes, we got to see. I don't know what I don't understand is like why does it only work against really shitty teams? <laughs> why does it only work against Arizona and Stanford? Why does and I like mean, obviously Oregon State? Obviously, like, is like the big thing, right? Is like our offense does not travel. Our offense is really good within the state of California, and probably only within the Bay Area. And anywhere else it goes to, it just, it just dies. Just doesn't work. It, it, it just dies. Like just doesn't work. And the failure needs to be owned. I agree. the The failure here is to not have recruited to the fundamentals of what Justin was under at Wisconsin was a good O line and a good D line. Like, good O-line is the DNA of a successful Wisconsin team. I do not understand why we have been this unsuccessful at creating that. And I've already echoed that in previous pods, so I'm not going to go down that path. So I'm not just sitting here and saying it's... But, like, at the end of the day, yeah. This is enough. We've seen enough. The Musgrave ride, I don't think it'll be in-season. I don't know who you would replace it with. Personally, I think they need to run an air raid offense. So if we have anyone that could conceivably run an air raid offense and do it with the change midseason, which is probably one of the least intelligent things I've ever said on this podcast, then let's do it. <laughs> but like realistically, that's not going to work because you've installed this system all of back into the summer practices, all into your you know, lead up to week one, and now over the course of already a month plus in the season. You, we're stuck with this. This is what we have. But we're done with Musgrave. This can't, this can't be it. It's just not it. And I don't know. We've been in this, we've had this conversation so many times. I just knew it. Like I knew coming into this, it was just like, I, this, we've done this. Like what you said last year like looked back on 2020 and you're like, remember 2020 and you, we, you and I wrote it off as a mirage or sorry, not a mirage, but just like a lost season and we couldn't learn anything from it. It's been the same Bill Musgrave offense every single season since then. So it's like, fill me once, fool me twice, fool me thrice, right? Okay. Fooled no more. But I'm curious, like, are you at the same point? Because you obviously have seen 
this offense in practice look way different than what ends up happening on the field? Well, I, I mean, first of all, I just got to say, like, I, I look like an ass now. <laughs> like, I, I look like a complete, like, joke with, like, everything I said in my practice notebooks and what I saw. I should just not go to these things anymore. My eyes have definitely failed first me. First of all, no. Okay, <laughs> I need to refute. Dude. Okay. For any, If anyone is looking at this, it's just that that's the problem. We've talked about this. You, How are you going to evaluate? No one is going to project line problems because all you're seeing is D, Cal's D-line, which is a bad unit, versus Cal's O-line, which is a bad unit. So you're just sitting there probably being like, wow, the O-line's pretty decent. But like you have no idea that the D-line is terrible. And then... The flip of that is like, okay, the D-line, like maybe they get in and it's like, you're like, oh, the D-line is going to be good this year. But like, you have no idea that Cal's O-line is made of Swiss cheese. Like, it's impossible to know those things because all you're seeing is the same team playing. Now, if you had gone to a joint practice between Cal and Washington State or, you know, one of those that the NFL now does and you saw that, like you would actually have a better read on what those things are. But otherwise, it's like those practices are kind of designed to get you excited for what they're doing. If they weren't, and you were just seeing, like, nothing, and it was bland and boring, you'd probably come back and be like, yeah, we're going to be trash this year. <laughs> well, I appreciate the words to to lift my spirits of uh, of the work that I've done over the last two months. But, like, I, the biggest issue here is where – what do we do? Like – so I'm I'm not on that boat of we need an air raid offense. I do think I don't think that type of offense fits with our style of of defense. But I will say we need we need to like tick like our offensive identity a bit more towards the spread. Like kind of you know the the offense that I would love here is probably like the Helfrich offense under at Oregon, like not the Chip Kelly one, but the one that actually had, you know, guys like Royce Freeman and, and those power run guys that could maintain the run game enough to, to be able to control time of possession when you needed it, but also an explosive offense enough that when you're, if you're down or things aren't working, that you can start scoring in bunches to do so and just get it clicking. Um, this this West Coast style of old offense, I mean, it definitely looked cool to me to, you know, just because I love the pro style West Coast offense and it's what we grew up with in terms when we were a kid watching football, right? So, like, that's just I, – I understand that style of football so much easier um, than I do, like, the modern versions of football. But, I mean, that's – we need to adapt. It's, it's, the, it's the freaking Brad Pitt line for Moneyball. Adapt or die. We're clearly dying. Yeah. We're, it's a dying breed of offense. It doesn't work. Like, it just it does not work here. And I thought maybe the execution maybe have gotten better where it does, and maybe we're that type of offense where, you know, um, it's that it's that one offense that you see in the conference that you can't prep for because every other offense in the country plays a different, like, you know, the modern style, right? And that's how we kind of gamesmanship our way into winning games. But clearly that hasn't even worked either because we're getting stopped on everything. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Exactly. So, I Bill has to go. I'm sorry, Bill's a great guy, but I think he absolutely has to go. The 
So here's my thing. Like, it's the bye week, right? I honestly, at this point, because, because, uh, God, I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive into this, but like, help me, help me out here. Where do you think the biggest, the, the, I mean, there's a ton of issues with the offense, right? But where do you think the biggest one lies? Is it like, is it the play calling from the offensive coordinator? Is it the execution? Is it the offensive line blocking? Like what, what would you say is the, the biggest percentage on that pie chart? So look, like umbrella pass protection, right? We can run the ball. Dude, Jaden Odd had fine game. Cool. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we can still run the ball decently enough where I don't actually think the running game is atrocious by any means. Odd. But it to me, it's it's pass protection. And sim- the problem is saying pass protection. It's like that has to do with the play call. And... And to me, it's like I don't. When I hear you talking about offense, like, dude, like we could just freaking run power every time. Ott, <laughs> Ott still aver- like the a run game didn't look great last week or this game against Washington State, right? But he still averaged four point three yards per carry. Yeah, four point three yards per with carry. a long of eighteen. So it's not even it's not even like he broke off a forty five yarder like out of his seventy one, and then the rest were just like one or two yard gains. Like the the it's solid running. Right? So Yeah, agreed. Like all right, so all right, so you, you think that's that's like the biggest the umbrella one is is pass pro. So mm-hmm. then my my reaction to that would be, okay, Wilcox, clearly you're upset at the coaching staff and the execution by the players. If you listen to that post game conference by Wilcox after the Washington State game, not a happy man by any regards. Um <laughs> Make the change. Like if you're if if you were that if you're that upset and you made the changes by players, you need to be able to make the change with the coaching staffs too. Like with like the Wisconsin situation is is very interesting to me right now because essentially what they're doing is they're giving Jim Leonard a seven game trial. Right? That's essentially what they're doing. Like the playbook stays the same, everything else stays the same, but they're they're judging how he will do as a head coach because a head coach is beyond yeah. just like the playbook and stuff, right? It's the decision making, it's the the game planning, like the the film study to put your uh, as Wilcox says the put your guys in the best position to win, right? Yeah. So you're giving him a seven game trial time and like a and if he's if he does well enough, you hire him. If he doesn't, then you probably throw the bag at Leopold. Right, like Kansas. So they played it smart because, I mean, it sucks because they're basically punting on this season, right, if the season goes awry. But they have they are going to live with that, and the players are going to have to live with that, which sucks because they are they only have, you know, four or five real football seasons in a collegiate career, and they have to give up one of these in, in this, this situation because the athletic department is looking towards the future. Um. So my take on this would be, look. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you, if that's, if that's the biggest if that's how you identify as the biggest, excuse me, the biggest problem is pass pro, then what does it come down to? It comes down to two things. It either comes down to the players and the execution or it comes down to the coaching. Well, you can't change the players and the execution. You have to work with the players that you have. The one consistent that we have through all of the player changes at O-line is the O-line coach. So, like... Are you willing to make that change in the bye week? Like, relieve him of his duties, promote someone. Like, Mike, Mike Saffel is the GA right now, right? Like, this is not a smart thing to do, and I don't think they'll do it. But I would I would applaud it if he did. Um, give Mike Saffel the gig. See if he can um, be the offensive line coach for, for the rest of the season. If not, it doesn't work out, then you were going to replace... Uh, you're probably going to replace McClure at the end of the season anyways because the online play hasn't been great, nor has online recruiting been great. And then you're going to have to bring in a new guy anyways. So you're doing the same thing essentially with what Wisconsin is doing, but just with a specific position coach. Like, I wouldn't mind that. Clearly things aren't working, right? you got to be able to make the changes. Like, I don't get why you're able to make, you know, the, the Lumagia Hearn switch last, like last year, the Jaden Ott switch this year. You're willing to make the changes with the players, but the the units that are still faltering despite a turnover in players, you don't make any changes with that. Like, who was I talking to this week about this? Was it Peter? I think I was talking to Peter about this. You know that under Wilcox, he has not technically fired a single coach? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. He. He lets <laughs> their contract ends and then they leave, but the, no one's no one's <clears throat> been like fired at any point where we owe a buyout or we have to pay right. them to leave whatsoever. Yeah. So. I actually admire that. I do. I do greatly. too. But but your your point stands. I think the business itself, college football, is changing. It's a changing landscape. The the Wisconsin move is is evident of that. I think that I don't know if Mike Safel running an offensive line unit is the best idea of all time. Um, I bet you that Wilcox looks at that situation and says that between the variables that you said, new coach, new player, coach up or coach up existing players, that he probably believes that there's still coaching left to do that could make a bigger difference than relieving but i think what you're asking for is fair is in saying that like i think a lot of people just want the acknowledgement that like offensive performances like this can't really be tolerated 
Uh, and he kind of alluded to that in that presser, too. Yeah, I mean, he was furious, dude. Like, he's always so pissed after losses. Like, and and I love that about him. But, you know, I th- <laughs> it is amazing. You have to admit, like, he's furious in those oh, press yeah. conferences. And then he has never fired anyone. <laughs> like, that's incredible that that anger hasn't spilled over. I mean, he, you know, like about to say something i shouldn't have said I, like um, the thing with the thing with wilcox but, for me is like the one thing i would i really want him to do is just just give me like five percent more transparency like just because i i i've talked to him you know just at practices and you know with the camera off and stuff and it's genuine dude i think most people understand that but like you would help your case so much if you were just willing to be a little bit more transparent with the fan base, like the non-donor fan base, right? The the fans that don't get access to you, which are usually the the vocal, like it's the vocal majority, right? I would say the the high donors are the the vocal minority just because there's there's so few of them, um, and just just get the fans behind you, like. Every time he goes out there and has that type of press conference, it's just like as a, as you know, just just a PR one hundred and one. It's like it's it's not helping your case. You're making more enemies and like people that rooting against you than actually rooting for you by constantly just doing the coach speak stuff. It just I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think maybe. Well, look. I That's wanna... a side comment, anyways. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that like, I just don't. If we had someone that we were like, like if we had Tui still in the program, you would probably say, okay, like maybe Tui could step into that O coordinator role, and I would, like, let I'd be excited to make that type of change. But like, dude, we don't even have a quarterback coach. It's Musgrave. We don't. I mean, yeah. Usually, the offense coordinator is the quarterbacks coach. Um, so it's like, yeah, but we don't have an offensive coordinator in waiting. Right. There's just doesn't like, who's it going to be Toller? We don't have a guy who has the, the moniker of like passing game coordinator or run game coordinator or like, you know, if I'm Wilcox, dude, the first person I'm calling is Paul Chris, dude, come consult, get over here. Can you possibly help out and just give us some guidance in what we're trying to do with this program right now? Because like, you're still in a great spot to win six, seven games. So it's like this season is still, I mean, you're in a great spot. You're three and two. Um, I mean, just imagine how much worse this loss would have been had we won the Notre Dame game. I mean, because the expectation, we would have just been flying so high, maybe ranked. And then we would have had the Musgrave performance of the century. <laughs> and it would have hurt that much more. I think a lot of people would be even more upset, believe it or not. But it's a tired act at this point on the offensive side of the football. And I want to talk about why Why isn't it a tired act overall? And I think that... Nice segue, by the way. Great, great pivot. I'm going to applaud the pivot. <laughs> I think that... For me, I take this back to last week's game. Last week's game 
we when we were talking about it, I said that at halftime, I felt like the game was to our advantage yeah. because of how it had played out. Where it had played out where our defense needed to regress to their elite level and our offense needed to maintain. And this week's game was the direct opposite of that. And it's a way deeper hole for us to be in. And so people then say that say, hey, I want to get rid of Wilcox or I'm out on Wilcox. Why, you know, we see this all the time. Why does Justin Wilcox deserve another shot at hiring an offensive coordinator? He clearly missed with Bo Baldwin. He clearly missed with Bill Musgrave. Why are we giving him a third shot? And this is my case. My case for giving him a third shot is because your defense is still that good. <laughs> and I'd rather it's still a solvable problem. And that it everything can still be going to script except for this offensive side of the ball. And so I bet on this man figuring it out. And maybe I'm insane for that. I mean, I almost feel a little crazy saying that. But I, I really do think that, you know, when I see, when I hear Helfrich, I get nervous because, like, that's not the hire that I think we need to make. I think we need to go younger. This offense needs to get a younger mind the way that basketball coaches are going younger to many to I feel like it's skewing that way generally there's obviously exceptions to the rule but you know I we use the example of a lot of uh, Todd Golden at USF like that's the mind that I want to have on the offensive side of the ball 35 to 45 modern college football offense and if that doesn't work fine y'all can consider me out but i just think that the problem that we have in front of us the floor of this team is still six and six every single season is still six and six so take the floor and try to find the upside rather than nuking the floor and then figuring out that your floor can be way lower than six wins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, that's that's why. That's it. That's my whole argument right there. You and I are on the same page regarding that. Like the, And some people might say, oh, you're too afraid to take the risk. Like, yeah, maybe I am. But I, I would rather have this than to have to sit through another 1-11 season. Like that's like just maintain the floor. The likelihood of you lowering your floor is significantly higher than us trying to raise the ceiling. And 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 then that's perfect because I think like okay, what's your what's your best possible outcome? Okay, we go hire a young up and coming head coach. That coach does really well at Cal. They win seven games and then they win nine games. And then what happens after that? Well, Wisconsin fires their head coach and offers them $50 million to come coach for their program because they just got a billion-dollar media deal, and we can't compete with that in any world. So then that coach leaves, and now you have to reset. Okay, and then you reset again, and you have to bet on the same thing happening again. Another up-and-coming coach. And, like, 
all thoughts on our current athletic director aside, like even good athletic directors can't do that. Not, I, <laughs> that was mean. I didn't mean that to come across as as terrible as that did. So why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I think that if we gave ex, we give this time to Wilcox. We already have the extension in place, so t- saying that he's going to be gone is dumb in the first place. And what I'm trying to reinforce here is, let's say that we start having we we check into that success in season seven and season eight. Okay, if Wilcox has been in Berkeley for eight years building this program, and we've given him the leniency to hire three offensive coordinators to finally have figured it out in his first head coaching role. What is the likelihood that he takes a bigger money offer from a different program that will have less patience? I think way less. And so what you end up having the potential at is developing a program like Utah's. Yeah. Or Gary Patterson, dude. Like, Gary Patterson was like, it took him a little while to figure shit out at TCU, and then he had like a 12-year run that was pretty freaking solid. So it's like people are like, oh, it's year six. I'm like, what, what the hell does year six even mean? What 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 trajectory are we on? Should we be winning a national championship by now? Like, this isn't this isn't a professional team. I don't understand the it's year six argument. Yeah, I mean, it's it's year six, but college football resets every two year, two to three years. What does year six mean? It doesn't mean anything to me. It's just the sixth freaking year. So it's like these arguments are so thin. And tenure is not a negative. Tenure is a positive, especially for a program like Cal. Because we cannot compete we cannot pretend to be Nebraska, despite the fact that Nebraska has a worse record than us over the last six years. We can't pretend that we're in that market. We're not. We're not Nebraska. So if we go and hire a young coach and we do hit on that young coach, guess what's going to happen? The coach is going to leave. That coach is going to go to the next program that pays him more money, and then you reset again, and then you're just constantly in a position of having to reset and then what do you yearn for? You yearn for the coach that had the stability. Well, you had the coach with stability. And you said, stability isn't good enough. We want to try to win eight games. It's <laughs> like, dude, what are we even talking about here? And we still have a chance of winning seven, I'm going to say six to seven games. This is a totally reasonable outcome. I, I just, I don't understand the reaction why did why this washington state game was the backbreaker or maybe you're right rob maybe it was just the fuel to the existing fire but when i read comments like this is the i will no longer donate to this program have you seen a basketball game (laughs) (laughs) like what about this game made you feel like you couldn't donate a single more a single dollar more to this program what expectations did you have? Did you were, did you pay Reggie Bush, Bush to attend this this program? Like, what am I missing here? I look. I'm gonna go. I I think you and I are exactly on the same page here. So I'm gonna add a couple more points that I was thinking about this week. 
to what you were seeing, right? The first first thing being is you're exactly right. You're expecting us to constantly be flipping heads on a 12-faced coin. <laughs> like, the likelihood of that happening is very low. And we're already in financial dire straits. We can't be firing coaches every three years. We, As you said, we're not Nebraska we're, or any of these schools. Hell, we're not even Wisconsin. Like... <laughs> <laughs> who put, who potentially is paying Paul Chris $16 million because they extended him last offseason. Literally a year ago <laughs> from Saturday is when they extended him for another five years. So, one, that's the case, right? Two, off of that, our program is not a blue blood program. Our name brand doesn't carry the weight it we some fans think it does to be able to recruit by itself. The academic, sure. And maybe there's once in a while there's kids in every class that only want the academics and they want that degree. Sure, we'll get those. We'll, we have a high chance of getting those kids. But we're not we're not a football like powerhouse school where even if we don't have a head coach or we have an interim, guys are still committing to us just because of the name value of the of the program. We're not that. We're not that at all. And then you have the and then you have the people that are saying we need to like, you know, why can't we? Oh God, this is so stupid. But the people that are saying to, one to rehire Tedford, which no, we're not going there whatsoever. Two, like we need to emulate, you know, the Tedford era. What part outside the winds do you want to emulate about that era? A lot of the reason we're in dire straits now is because of the like the 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 total disregard to the academics that happened during that tenure, and the the absolutely horrendous culture that was around the program that was purely built about just football. If you want to go down that route, and you want to be just screw academics, will only be good at football. Great. But I have not met a single Cal fan who is not about the academics. They pride themselves on that. So you you can't be that again. It won't ever happen again. The administration will never let that happen again. So now we, we and then we go to the, the bigger, more realistic problem is the finances. We're a middling budget football program, whether that be coaching salary, whether that be assistant pool, whether that be uh, recruiting budget, we're a middling Pac-12 team. We're not We're not even like a middling in the country. There's way more teams in the country that spend more than us. We're just middling in the Pac-12. So if that's what we're spending, you're expecting to strike strike gold and championships by, mid, by spending middle of the conference type money. The likelihood yeah, of that is so low. Yeah, agreed. Find, it's finding gold and expecting loyalty. And it's like, dude, if you're not in the freaking stands, I swear, if every person that makes one of those comments isn't in the damn stadium, then please stop. Because your your comment doesn't hold any weight. You're not in the damn stadium. You have to be here to support the program if you want them to operate at, as if there's a full stadium. Dude, there's 
freaking 30,000 people showing up every single Saturday day to these games. Like, that's not... You can't have a 30,000 person's game, like viewing section and expect 10 wins. It just... These, some of these things just don't don't go together. And I think it might sound somewhat defeatist to say that and to say, hey, Cal's not a blue blood, blue blood program. And it's not like... I'm not accepting defeat here or accepting losses. I'm just saying, like, we're not in a position of at least appreciating what we have. Or at least, we're in a position to appreciate what we have, but we're just not doing it. Like, we're not doing it. And, like, you're totally right. Why would we expect anything different when we're paying the middle of the Pac-12 salary and we're getting middle of Pac-12 results? We're six and six every year. It's like, dude, we're five and seven. We're seven and five. We're six and six. We're seven and five. We're five and seven. We're five and seven. Like, we're literally the definition of the middle. And everything in our program is the middle. Our facilities are the middle. Our stadium is in the middle. Like, there's a lot. Our fan base right now is is very much in the middle. We're showing up at 30,000. Like, middle to low end, dude. Like, Arizona probably has more fans coming to games than us right now. And then we go in and we're like, well, why can't we win the big recruits? Well, I don't know. Are you were you at the game on Saturday? No. Why would I be there? Were you? I uh, mean, to support the program. Anyone, anyone <laughs> like, who was at the Notre Dame game, like we talked about this in, when I when we were talking about the Notre Dame experience, right? Does the team had lost to, to freaking Marshall that pro, prior week, and the stands were still full. And they were cheering on their team. They even booed their offense at one point, right? So, like, but they're still there, showing on full force. And if you're a recruit that shows up in any any form or fashion in any game week, would you rather play for that type of environment or would you rather play for the current Cal environment? I'd, <laughs> I'd rather sit on the bench at the current Notre Dame experience than the, the current fan experience at the Cal, at Memorial Stadium. And that's just cold, hard truth. Like, it's, it's, it's not a fun, like, environment as a home crowd like it's just it's just kind of dull there's more empty seats there's like they're trying to fill out empty seats by like putting tarps over seats and stuff like that like that's how hard they're trying to mask some of this stuff right uh it's like the a's yeah i mean so i guess like and and so to make this abundantly clear i think that wilcox and, and yeah i really think that wilcox is there isn't there is light still at the end of the tunnel. It's not to accept where we're at, but it's to not to willingly reject the alternative. Because the alternative is like everyone that was jonesing for the backup quarterback. And then you got to see Kai throw a couple passes and you're like, "Well, <laughs> Plover looks pretty damn good." <laughs> I'm sure Kai's fine. Just needs more time to develop. But exactly. And there's a reason why Plummer's the starter. Yep. There's like there's a reason why programs would would strive to be consistent and to be stable and to have a high floor. And I think the I'd rather bet on the high floor turning the corner on the high floor figuring out the offense. I mean, that's and that's the beautiful thing about it is 
we can sit here and we're, we're going to go into this Colorado game. And for anyone that is saying we're going to lose, we're not going to lose the Colorado game. So that's that. Uh, but we're going to be 4-2 and two, staring at a schedule that has, I think, four of six home games. Yeah. Four of yeah. six at home. And, you know, we play well at Memorial. So the season is young. Wilcox has shown that he has teams that will battle. Even in the peak season of Wilcox's career, I believe we had a game against Washington that was one of the ugliest games of all time that Evan Weaver single-handedly won. I mean, we forget how these things take shape. Washington, who we thought was strong, looked pretty mediocre against UCLA. UCLA, who we thought might have been one of the weaker teams, looked pretty damn good. And so when Washington comes to town, maybe that ends up being a W. At that point in time, now you're saying, okay, Cal's sitting 5-2. and two. Are you still wanting to axe your head coach and start over? Like, I just, I just, I don't know, man. I think we've all lost sight of, like, what it means to be a Cal fan and what it means to be an actual fan versus what it means to just want to have unrealistic success without putting in the work to get there. I mean, like, the parallel I made this this week, right, is, you know me, I'm a big Manchester United fan, right? The last 10 years as a United fan haven't been great. Like, Sir Alex Ferguson... Won 13 Premier League titles for us, then he retires, and then we've had David Moyes as a head coach, we've had Louis Van Hal as a head coach, we've had Jose Mourinho as a head coach, and now Ole Solskjaer as a head coach, and then now we have Eric Ten Hag as a head coach, right? So that's our fifth head coach since our legendary head coach uh, retired. The fan base, and this is the parallel I like to make with the Cal fan base right now, is because every year, every season, something goes wrong right? We go on a losing streak, players don't play well, so on. Or um, we don't bring in the right players, aka recruiting. But every season, there happens to be one or two wins that just kind of lifts everyone's spirits and is like, okay, I'm back in. But that just keeps oscillating between the two. And every time that happens, the group splinters. We back the players, we back the coach, right? When the underlying issue, at least for Uni- with United, is the fact that the Glazer family owns the team, barely helps in the restructuring of the financial system, only looks to ticket sales and to uh, apparel sales, and tries to bring in players that'll boost that, which in turn boosts the United stock that's on the New York Stock Exchange, which in turn allows them to pull out dividends and money from the club to pay out their stockholders. That all came to a, a crazy stop over like the last couple of years with the with the idea of the Super League and, and fan base and the fan base, what is an uproar? And finally the entire fan base started to unite against the actual problem, which was the Glazer family. And they've been singing and chanting at home games ever since. Um, the end of last season, just, we want Glazers out, we want Glazers out, we want Glazers out, we want Glazers out. Now, finally, like, 
that's that's all coming to a halt. And why I bring up this story is that's exactly where I feel like the Cal fandom is right now. We've had games where we're like high. We've had games where we're low. It splinters the fan base. The players are good enough, but the coaching staff isn't good enough. The coaching staff is good enough, but the recruiting hasn't been good enough. But we lose sight of like what is the bigger problem here, and it's what we were just talking about, which is the financial reason of where we are right now. Like we have to we have to acknowledge where we are in that system because look, NLI, all that stuff has totally changed the 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 college football landscape in terms of the the money that's being thrown around and the money that's being thrown around by the media right steals to allow these programs to do so. We don't have that luxury. Like and I think that it's that's the cold hard facts about it. We don't have the luxury to throw 16 million to fire a head coach like if we were with, if if we were in Wisconsin situation. Like why do you think coach Wilcox is biggest like one of his biggest things when he was signing that extension a couple of years ago was to increase the salary pool. That was a means to stay competitive not only in the conference but across the country. Because we're also in the Bay Area. Like the Bay Area, living in the Bay Area is a double-edged sword, right? Like we say how great it is and how awesome it is to live here. But it's also one of the most expensive places to live in the entire damn globe. <laughs> <laughs> Since the gas is 66% higher than anywhere else. In the I went to Akalani's today and the lo- and the highest gas price at Shell, like the premium gas, was 710. 710. Yeah, 710. <laughs> For, For one, one gallon. gallon. premium. Okay, premium though. So, but that means the regular was like at least six six fifty or six six seventy five. So, so that's like, I'm not trying to argue that it's hard to win at Berkeley thing. I think I think there needs to be a balance between that, right? Like, I don't get why we keep skewing to one side. We need the academic side to come down a little bit to help out a football program to thrive because you need to be. be bring in recruits that may not be able to hit those requirements because we're not like i hate to say this but we're not like stanford our 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 name value doesn't carry as much weight on the football field or and or like ucla or usc like on any athletic field right it's just other than from other than some specific sports that needs to happen but at the same time like because people are arguing well i'm not going to invest if the football product on the field isn't good enough so the football product does need to increase a little bit too. But we can't be less as as a bigger fan base like at this standstill of like, well, I'm not I'm not going or or donating until you start playing better. Cuz it's a cycle. They the team can't get better as a as a program unless they're able to financially compete with some of the bigger programs in the conference or hell even the country. I don't know where where that medium is between the two, nor am I telling you to donate blindly to the athletic department because that's clearly that that that's not going to really help. Like just right now, but we need to really look at the the issues of the program and the restrictions that it brings, and reset our expectations for what is okay as a baseline. Not as a ceiling, just as a baseline, right? And that's currently where we're at. It's like that that needs to happen. Like I like I, I think Wilcox is still gonna do a great job here. 
I I'm still on that train. Would I would I have been off of it if Wilcox had this and I was like let's say you know a UCLA fan or an SC fan or or something of that sort? Absolutely. Yeah, it's just not even not yeah. even a question. We have the money to do it. Why not do it? Like they're still paying they're still paying buyouts. Like to a bunch of coaches. Like, and you want me to give you the like the cold like, like Irish, Irish backhand is disrespectful. So like just a, just a, huh. just a cold hard like bucket of water in your face. We have a men's basketball program that hasn't won eight conference games, more than eight conference games in a single season. And we haven't fired that coach. We're not even close to sniffing 500. And we're not, we haven't even talked about firing that coach. If anything, our athletic director extended him for a year after COVID. So if that's the case, they're not getting rid of Wilcox. It's just not happening. So, like, the realistic thing for, like, for as a fan you have two options either you're off the either you're off of the team and you go about your day not caring about cal football anymore because you don't like the direction it's heading or you get behind the team and the program and the staff and support them because they're going to be here for a bit it's really the only options. I mean, I guess the third option is for for you to be at a stadium or at a game and just constantly be angry and and just like upset. <laughs> like, but please don't do that. It's not good for your mentals. Like, why would you want to constantly live in that state on a Saturday for like four or five hours? Just if you don't, if you're out, just just check the score at the end of the game. Like, put out a couple of angry tweets and just end the day. Like, you don't have to put yourself through that. I think that we all lose sight. We all, yeah, we all forget. I think something that it's easy to forget. And this is so funny because I was just putting in a donation to Cal Football and it's telling me that it, was zero dollars so i'm confused <laughs> we don't want your money it just it said it charged my credit card but it said it was zero dollars so i don't know what's going on look the reason why i was trying to put in a donation to this program is because i think we all forget about what it is and what this university has done for us and and you know i'm so grateful for the time i had at cal and i'm super grateful for the time i have had after cal because I've been able to build traditions both as a student and as an alumni. And I feel more and more connected to this place. And I was talking with my dad about it because he w- they were celebrating one of my dad's, you know, one of the president of dryers. You know, he's a huge, huge influence in Cal. And he just had this like relentless optimism for life. And it still has it, still alive today, but just, just maintain this optimism. And he's been fundamental in building out you know, the Cal swimming and diving programs, water polo programs, uh, the Haas School of Business, and the, the, there's a gate, and it's just, just an incredible, incredible person. He was honored at a football game 
Uh, you know, his name is Rick Kronk, and so he's celebrating his 80th birthday. And they go through, and they spend five minutes all on Cal. All of it. And it's like you're seeing, like, just how fundamental that experience was to his life. And so when I look at this team and at this sport and what we talk about, I just, we need the restorative perspective to understand that this is something that brings me out to Berkeley six times a year where I get to gather with great people who we all share one thing in common, which is the love of the university. And oftentimes, I think that's lost. There's some of you out there that are going to be like, I am against this regime because of my love for the university. And I would say, good, okay, I support that. But then there's just, it just doesn't seem like that. Because when you just ride this roller coaster from going to everything is fantastic to burn the whole thing down, it feels a lot like everything else going on in the world right now. There's no middle ground. I think we need to regain the perspective for what this allows us to do and and take a little bit more of that mindset. I'm not saying surrender your expectation. I'm saying blend it with what you are what this all allows you to do. Because Highlights of my year and my yearbook, if I were to write one at the end of the year, would be the Notre Dame game. That's number two. Because I got to go back to Chicago. I got to hang out with a, and bridge two groups of people that I'd never met and got to see a place I've never seen before in my entire life and meet people I've never met before in my entire life. And then I would also say the Arizona game. Because I got to see the same people in a totally different capacity at a university that I went to 12 years ago that I still am as passionate about today as I was 12 years ago. I hope that every single person that listens to this shows up to a game this year. If you live in LA, fly up for a game. Southwest freaking fares are cheaper than a trip to the gas station. <laughs> it's, it's factual. It's, it's actually true. Like... Attend a football game. Reinvest in what this actually is. This isn't watching a game from afar, hopping onto Twitter, and dragging an entire program. That's not what the Cal football experience is about. That's just not it. That's not That's not what my university experience is about. That's not what my alumni experience is about. That's never been what this experience is about. It's about relationships. It's about connections. It's about history. It's about a university that will outlive all of us. And it's about supporting a program that is developing successful young men. And as long as that box is supremely boldly checked, it's going to be very hard for me to want to change. I can't beat that. The monologue of all monologues. <laughs> the longest, the longest of the them longest all. Longest of them all. 
The granddaddy of them all. <laughs> the Rose Bowl of monologues. Yeah. It, I, so, like, the one thing, the only one thing I'll add to, to what Andy just said is no one's takes are wrong. Like, I, I, un, I totally get where people are coming from when it comes to talking about the program. If you're upset at the current state of the program, I get what you're I get what you're saying. If you're if you're still on board with Wilcox, I get why you're still on board with Wilcox. The issue here for me is is this finger pointing of how can you still be on board? Um or how are why are you still off? Like I don't that, there's no real need for that. Like we're still all Cal fans all in all. We know hell, we know what our ethos is and we know what our our like just our mantra is and what just the Cal experience. Like we talk about it all the time. I get I understand that people want more from this program. And I get that we want to see some success on the field and be able to celebrate that to a degree just because just we see other fa- other fan bases be able to do that. Will we get there? Who knows? Um, but Yeah, I saw it. That's such a good call out. I saw the comment that really, really concerned me was when I saw the Wilcox apologist. I'm like, great. Okay, awesome. So then... Now you have this general label for someone that's still in, and then you're pitting them against those yep. that are out. What does that sound a lot like? It sounds a lot like Democrats and Republicans to me. The current political landscape, not just great. It just does. just sounds like two people on opposite side of the fence with a bunch of guns pointed at each other. And it's like, live, find a path to the middle. I swear I found it. Just like last weekend, I watched the Washington State game. It's like that game sucked, <laughs> and I moved the hell on. And it was this amazing moment because I haven't been able to do that in a long time. Watch the game. That game sucked, and then I even checked into the checked in the comment section. The good old right for Cal. And I thought Avi had a really good article once again that was kind of talking about. It's like his article was did a great job at depicting the middle. And it's not too much this way. It's not too much that way. And every single Nick, Avi, myself, Rob, every writer has their own perspective. If you talk with them one on one, I guarantee you they'll tell you how they think, what they're feeling about, where they're at. But ultimately, it's the glory is in the middle. That's where that's where we'll be able to to actually like make some progress. And I'm with you, Rob. I think you diagnosed it really well. If you are out, you should be in. Not on Wilcox, but you should be involved in getting the program to a place where it can meet your expectation. Yeah. Right? I like like angrily tweeting, sure, does maybe does do a thing, but like figure out if there's any real ways that you can help the program or like get the program to acknowledge like it's 
deficiencies right now and be able to make changes on it. Like, send an email to Knowlton. He actually responds to all of them. If you're really that angry, send him an email. He does. Like, yeah, send an email. like, don't get mad at us, like, writers or, or other people on the internet. Like, talk to and see if you can communicate with the people that are actually in positions to be able to do things. And see what their perspective on it is. And, and go from there. Like, I... I, that's one of the best parts about Knowlton, really, about this AD. And I, you know, there's there's things that I really do not like about him. But the one thing that I do really like is that everyone that I talk to that has emailed him has gotten a response from him. Without, Without fail. Without fail. Every person on the blog. And that's <laughs> that's incredible. And, and they're not cookie-cutter responses either. They're actually, like... Uh, maybe some parts of it are cookie cutter, like copy pasted, but there's a vast majority of that email that he'll probably send you that's genuinely written. It might not be something you want to hear, but at least you you got your voice heard. I'm not saying the flood flood his uh, email inbox either, but that's just one of the ways. <laughs> that's just one of the ways you can get involved, right? And so. That's what I would say. I feel like we're trying to sell people that donate to the program. Like we're selling like snake oil here. <laughs> but yeah, be a part of the conversation, and be maybe be a part of the resolution or the the changes that the program needs to. Hell yeah. That's my that's my final two cents. Do we got anything else, Andy? Let's yeah, wrap. Let me check the Twitters just one last time, just to make sure everyone's stuff got heard. Um, well, Terry Fun Six also asked, "Is there any way Wilcox gets canned this season?" Nope. We answered that one. <laughs> um, I think we answered all the stuff about. Bill and Angus. I think we talked everything about the bowl game and all the other games we have left. Um, yeah. A special shout out to William Chung, dude, who sent us that thing about listening to the South Bend episode. Surely. We'll try to have more of those. I think we can create. We can create There's more just, of that. Not we go through so many shenanigans like every week. Like. This is this is just the beginning. <laughs> like that's just one of our insane stories. I'm sure we'll do another one at Nam's Absolutely. wedding too. Like that's going to be another one that we need, we're going to need to talk about cuz just the, whatever ensues. We should do one about the life and death of Malory. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh goodness. Yeah, we could. People don't really know the story of how we started with Malort and how it ended in Chicago. It's kind of it's kind of poetic, really. But I think I think that's it. If we missed anything, don't don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're we're more than happy to to add more stuff to for our stuff to talk about next week because one we're we'll probably have a pod next week, but we're not gonna have a game to talk about, so we might as well talk about things that you want to talk about, which is probably. Wilcox, the program, the athletic department, like as it stands right now, that's probably the the biggest thing on people's minds. So yeah, let's talk about it. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at Golden Bearcast. You can also email us golden 
goldenbearcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWG. You can find Andy's account on Twitter, but he won't respond to anything, so I'm not going to even mention it. Um, and you can find all our written stuff at rightforcalifornia.com. Um, there's still a bunch of good stuff going up. I think the coolest part about the Right for California uh, group, community, is just the way that people, everyone absorbs and understands the Cal game differently whether it's through statistics, whether it's through fan reactions, whether it's through play breakdowns, whether it's through Nick's column on Mondays. Like, there's so many different ways that you can you can kind of sit back and, and just go through the game. So I highly recommend uh, you go check out some of the cool stuff that will be dropping this week. I don't think Christopher H. has anything this week, but I think he might be doing like a special uh, article. I haven't confirmed that, but I, I'll, I'll – take a look but yeah all the stuff there is great and that's not just because i'm one of the editors there um but overall i think that's it andy do you have anything else to add nothing nothing good time for a bye week let's all watch the uh let's all watch stanford lose let's all watch stanford lose i know i mean david david shaw's his seat's gotta be off. So I mean like realistically, Colorado, new coach, uh, you know, obviously uh yep. Durrell's out. And then I think Stanford, I mean those are the two you can look at and like it should be wins, but those are the ones where like there also could be new coaches. Crazy. It's gonna be a crazy rest of the season, folks. Buckle up, it's gonna be also fun. We'll be here to talk your way through. And with that, as always, go bears. Go bears. <laughs>